0: I want to start off by reading uh, from Revelation 3, uh, verse 14 through, oh goodness, I'll go to 22. It's a message that we've heard before, and I think it's knowing that we don't like to hear. But I think this is what God put on my heart Friday to read. A message to Laodicea. The angel of the church in Laodicea wrote this. The all men... The faithful and true witness. The beginning of creation of God says this. I know your deeds. That you are neither hot or cold. Or as the scripture says. Cold or hot. In case you were reading it differently. I read it wrong. I wish you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm. And neither hot or cold. I will spit you Out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And then a little bit later. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous. And repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and we will dine with him and he with me. Praise God. Here's a church. They were so wrapped up in their material world, in the way they were living. And they really didn't recognize that they'd gone wrong. They figured, what? This is great. Look at all these nice buildings we've got. Look at what we've got. Look at the fancy uh, electronics and medias that we've got. Look at what we've really. Listen to the music that we can sing. We can draw more people in. Let's sing louder and louder. Wow, praise God. They had allowed many distractions to dampen their passion and their devotion to Jesus. But I love that second bit that I read. Jesus did not give up on them. He knocked at the church door. He wanted to come in again and have fellowship with them again. Would anyone recognize his voice and let him in? A few weeks ago, Nick had a vision. It stuck with me. He said he didn't have many visions, but this one, I may get it wrong, but I'm going to say what it came to me. He had a vision of two taps flowing. And he realized both taps were on. And what do you get when you have both taps on? You don't get hot water. You don't get cold water. You get lukewarm water. And he was saying how important it was for him and for us to make sure we cut off that cold water. Now, we're probably as human beings, are never going to cut it off completely. But God really spoke to me. He really spoke to me. There may be distractions that are causing us to keep the cold water on. So that we're not having hot water flow from us. And this morning, I want to focus on some of these distractions that can overtake me and may overtake you. And I'm sure you probably uh, can identify with some of these. Now, one of the things that we have in this church is a pastor who likes to use visual aids. Uh, I'm not talking about chocolates this morning. I'm talking about his dog, Happy. Can you remember the sermons he's given with Happy Out on the golf course? Doing all this, listening to him, listening to his voice. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to all you cat lovers (laughs) to even things out a bit. Because I'm going to tell you how the Lord spoke to me through my cat, our cat, Tally. All right, Tally's about 11 years old. All right, you ready for this? The other day, I was down in the summer house, and we put some gym equipment down there. You know, as you're getting older, you've got to try to cover cover yourself up and get distraction. Anyhow, um, where was I? Pally, I was in the summer house doing some exercises. And I looked up the front of the garden, it's about 100 feet to the steps, and there was Tally going up the steps in a little voice I didn't shout. Her, I said, "Tally, just once." She turned around and looked at someone and came flying down to me, ran as fast as she could, came right beside my legs and just started purring away. She was happy. and she made me happy. Because she had heard my voice. And came to me. Now if you have cats. You know. It's not like dogs. They will not respond. To a call. Cats will do. What they want to do. When they want to do. And you can't change them. Anyhow. I'm glad I've got a cat. So. I was down there. A little later. Next week. And. She was doing the same thing. And I said, Hallie, she came flying and suddenly stopped. Sniffed here, sniffed there. I looked around, sniffed here, sniffed there. I'm just sitting there. After a few minutes, she came running and stopped again. Sniffed here, sniffed there, sniffed there. And I thought, goodness me, I've lost it now. She's not going to come. And then without saying another word, she came running to me and purred as before. She had recognized my voice and she responded. And she had a couple of distractions responding. And I think so many ways before of of us as well. We can have many distractions, can't we? So what I'm going to start out with, with a hot tap running. And I'm saying running Fast. And I don't know about you, but when you're first born again, you've got the hot tap running in you. You can't get enough of Jesus. You read the Bible. I remember when I was first, oh, I couldn't put the Bible down. You read the Bible. You go to church and fellowship with people. You go to the prayer meeting. You chase off to some kind of um, summer event where there's a conference going on. Loads of people are speaking and you want to be there. Because you want to get all you can. You want to learn as much as you can about God, about Jesus. Uh, And you know, it's all new, isn't it? And many of our family or friends won't understand. I can remember my parents saying, don't go over the top now. Or I think Sid told me once his, his parents says, Oh you'll get better. You'll get better somehow. Just just ride it out and when you get normal again, you'll be all right. I think sometimes our enthusiasm can cause a lot of harm to people, you know. They do think we're a bit crazy. But you know, when you've met Jesus, you do get enthusiastic, don't you? He's changed my life 50 years plus ago. I can't Not be enthusiastic about Jesus? Now, I'm not going around like I used to. I'm calmed down a bit. But we get distractions. So let's look at a couple of distractions that can come our way. When Sarah was baptized the other day, she said uh, in her testimony that we can be so busy in life, we don't make time. For thinking about or learning about Jesus. I think we can identify with that, can't we? How difficult is it for you to choose some time to set aside to be with God and read his word? Sometimes it's difficult. I'll tell you another major distraction. It's slipping out of my pocket now. (laughs) These lovely computers we carry around with us. These lovely ways of people getting in touch with us. How many of you, now I'm going to be honest, okay. I'm up in the morning. The first thing I do when I get up in the morning is switch my phone on. Primarily because I want to read what John Platt has said during the night. But then I put the phone down. And then I start reading. And then my phone does some crazy sounds. Beep, 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 beep. And then something else, it goes. And I think, gosh, I better pick it up. I better pick it up. Perhaps somebody needs me. Perhaps my children are warning to get in touch with me. And I'll pick it up. And then I I'll suddenly start reading what someone has sent me. I'm distracted from my time with God. And sometimes if I get so involved with what I'm reading and distracting, I miss out on what God is trying to talk to me about. Because no longer am I listening to Him, I'm listening to what these people are saying on my phone. Now you would think it would be so easy, wouldn't you? Just don't turn your phone on until you're finished. It's very different. What about in church? How many of you got your phone turned on now? Okay. How many of you got it on mute? good <laughs> I mean you're sitting in church and suddenly beep and if you got a phone like mine you don't even have to turn it, it vibrates mmm mmm in your pocket you mm-hmm. you're trying to listen to Dave preach mmm ah, keeps on mmm I better look at this mmm see what it's about and suddenly you shift away the distraction is taking you away from concentrating on what God has said. Then you start thinking about what you've just looked at. You know, I read somewhere that the ability of our brain to think in so many ways is five times faster than we can listen to someone speak. Isn't it? I mean, if you get a book and you look at it in your mind, you can start wandering. How many of you can wander away when you're singing praises to God? Come on, be honest. I mean, sometimes my mind wanders. These are distractions that uh, can cause us harm. Now, as we come face to face with these distractions that would keep us away, it's very important. God will not force us to listen to him. But he also says he will never give up on us. And a verse came to me this week and I looked it up. One of my favorite verses. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Now how many times do you think that appears in the Bible? I was surprised. At least five times in different situations that word is spoken I will never leave you or forsake you. Now that really gives me comfort. After my wanderings, after my distractions, he says, okay man, you missed it this morning, but I'm not going to stop talking to you. So when you feel like you want to listen again, I'm here. I'm ready. So what I want us to do is look at three types of distractions that we all will come away we will come away with we will understand and i'm sure you would understand these as well as i try to understand them the first way the first major distraction is the way of the world the philosophies of the world that try to persuade you to live a different way to disregard what god says in his word now how on earth can a politician think Oh, there's not a woman or a man. They can be whatever they want to be. Did God say that in his word? David reminded us yesterday morning at at the wedding. God made male and female. But if you look into what the the world is trying to tell you, how many different genders do they think you have now? I've lost track. Too many. Lots of them. In other ways, Uh, I don't know how it is in America, Andrew, but from what I see, uh, God is disappearing in society so much. You can't have prayers in the school. You might offend someone. You can't speak, oh, you don't want to offend anyone. Oh, if you offend, you're being intolerant. You get arrested, not the person who's doing things wrong. It's gone crazy. And if we focus on the ways of the world... We're going to have troubles. Listen to what Jesus said in John 15, 18. If the world hates you, and I think that must be the case, that they don't want to have anything to do with God, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you're no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. Peer pressure, society's pressure, sometimes friends who are not Christians can pressurize us to think worldly ways. And listen what John says in 1 John 2, 16. All that the world, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. Be assured that Jesus understands the pressure that we're under from worldly ways. Because he lived here, he understood it. But also, he's there to help us when we call out to him. He's not going to force us, but when we call out to him, he will help us in worldly ways. The next one is our flesh. Our old nature will try to overtake us and draw us back into things of the world. This is a struggle that I have to put up with. And I reckon you do too, if you're honest. Listen to what Paul said in Romans 17. He knew what it was all about. Listen to what he said. I know that nothing good lives in me. This is my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me me from this life dominated by sin and death? Who will free me from this struggle? Then he gives the answer. The answer is Christ Jesus, our Lord. He will free us. In Galatians 5, Paul says, there are comparisons there of the flesh against the spirit. The flesh seeks to desires against the spirit, and the spirit fights against the flesh. The deeds of the flesh are described in these verses, and I'm not going to read them out to you. And he gives, but he gives a major warning there, doesn't he? He warns all those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not saying those who may slip up now and then but those who make it a practice to follow the things of the flesh. You're not going to experience what God wants. We need help, and if we call out to Him, He will help us. Because He wants us to go the way He has given us, the Holy Spirit, to empower us to live. Now this sinful nature is received at birth. And is never eradicated in this life. Would that it was, but it's not. But the Holy Spirit, you read the scriptures, is there to control it. If we submit to Him. The next distraction is the devil. And in John 10, Jesus describes Himself as the Good Shepherd. Who looks after us. Now that is a very important thing to remember. If you're in Jesus. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He's your shepherd. If you haven't accepted Jesus. He's not your shepherd. And. He won't look after you. He paid a mighty price. To bring us into his fold. And if we say. Oh I don't want to be in that fold. He's not going to force us. He says there as well in verse 10 that the purpose of the thief, that's the devil, is to steal, kill, and destroy. Now Satan will do everything possible to prevent us from experiencing the abundant life that he promises us in 10.10. He does not want you to have an abundant life. And for those people who don't think he's real, he is real. As Linda was expressing this morning. He attacks us. 1 Peter 5.8 says that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So how can we stand against him? In his army of demons. How can we stand against him? Two things for sure. You can't stand against him and succeed in your own strength. And I don't care how loud you shout at him, you will not defeat him. How did Jesus defeat him? Someone tell me. Scriptures. Scriptures. So if it's good enough for Jesus, it's got to be good enough for us. James 4, 7 tells us. And this is very important. We like that bit, resist the devil and he will flee from you. But you can't have that bit without reading the first bit. Humble yourselves before God. Or your version may say, submit yourselves to him. And I think what that means is to get right with God. You know? Make sure you're giving, Lord, I'm, I'm messed up. I'm repenting of what I've done. I'm submitting to you this morning. I'm making myself right with you. I am depending on you. Once we put ourselves in that position, we stand in the power of the the Lord Jesus. Resist him, and he will flee. Now, that's not something I made up. That's in Scripture. And we've got to believe Scripture. Scripture. What we've got to do is depend on the power of God and not on the power of our voice. Now last week David gave us another powerful scripture for standing against Satan. I wonder if anyone can remember it other than David. He probably knows it. I'll tell you. Because I went online and listened to his sermon again and found it. Because my memory didn't have it in the memory bank. But it's there now, Revelations twelve eleven, and they came and they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb, and because of the word of their testimony. We must declare who we belong to, and we must wholeheartedly depend on the power of the shed blood of Jesus. That's what that says. Have a testimony. Know where you stand. You can't be wishy-washy and expect that verse to work. Your powerful testimony. Are you there? Are you in with Jesus? Or you belong to him? Well, then depend on the power of his shed blood against the enemy. Okay. One other scripture. So we can guard against Satan's attacks by wearing the armor he gives us. And I'm going to read it out of Ephesians 6 in the New American Standard Version for your purpose, Andrew. Back to the American Standard Version. Okay, here we are. Finally, this is Paul speaking to the Ephesians. Finally. Therefore, take up the full armor of God, and you will be able to resist the evil day, having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about the armor. And I think about this. I try to pray this every morning. Put this armor on every day because I'm weak. I need this armor on to stand against the enemy. I've been a Christian over 50 years, but I still need it every day. Having girded yourselves with the, having girded your loins with the truth. That's not the way, this is not the one I've remembered on. With the truth. In other words, having put on a girdle. Now, I've never worn a girdle. I hope I never will. But what does a girdle do, ladies? Keeps you firm. Keeps you standing firm. And so, if you're into the Word of God and put that on, you can stand firm. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What does that mean? That means you're at peace with God, you're at peace with other people, but also be prepared to share the gospel of peace with those who God leads you to. That's because you're focusing on Him. In addition, take up the shield of faith. Oh, hold that shield up. Over your family. I often do it over my family and over this church family. That the enemy cannot get through. And destroy. You can extinguish... The fiery flames of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation. Oh, that's important, isn't it? What do you think the helmet of salvation is important? Protects your mind. Because the enemy would love to feed things into your mind. They're going to make you doubt your salvation. Doubt the victory that you have in Jesus. Oh, we've got to protect against that because that's, he knows he can get us in our minds. If we start thinking negatively and keep thinking negatively, we will act negatively and we will sit in our chair and moan and groan. Oh, poor old me. <laughs> I don't know if I'll get it right, but there was a song that I was looking at this week. You remember the song, Jesus Loves Me in the Sun. There's another song no one loves me this i know for my trials tell me so misery is where i belong come and share my pitiful song don't sing that song folks okay Get carried away here. How have I got? Shield of faith. Uh, The helmet of salvation. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God as well. Be prepared to come against the enemy with scripture. How can you do that? You can't do that like it was. Don't tell my parents. By having the Bible sitting on the shelf. And that is good. You keep it on display in your home. No. you can't wield the sword of the spirit unless you read the word of God. I loved, I heard a message yesterday by Joni Erickson-Totter. Everybody familiar with her? Not only has she been in a wheelchair for almost 50 years, she also suffer, is suffering from breast cancer, third stage. And she said something I heard yesterday, that the thing that keeps her going is the word of God. It's the word of God. It's a powerful weapon. Against the enemy. With all prayer and petition. Pray at all times in the spirit. With this in view. Be on their alert. With all. Persevere. in petitions for all the saints. Pray as the Holy Spirit leads you. Now that sometimes is in words. Sometimes it's in phone. Sometimes it's speaking in tongues. Praying. For each other. This is important. We need to pray and stand with each other. I'm almost there folks. Don't get too bored. I don't see anybody sleeping yet. Now. The last thing is always run to the Father for help. Now, I don't know where all of you are today. I can see your faces and, you know, you can have a smile, but that's not where you are. What's where you are is on the inside. And no one can see that but you and God. And you may be in a place of discouragement, seemingly defeat, a place of defeat this morning. You may be confused by what you've seen in the media. There's so much on television now and you can listen to this preacher preach and then you can switch to another station but preach this preacher preach and this preacher preach and they don't agree. One saying one thing, one saying the other. You can be confused. You can be overpowered by your sin and many times by the sin of others. How it's affected you. Yeah, I was listening to David when he had an adultery racial relationship with Bathsheba. That really affected his family, didn't it? You read what happened to his family, it affected his family. I'm not so sure he would have changed his ways if he had thought that in advance. But in that case, this devil, the flesh, got the better of him. You may be overpowered by the negative things you've heard, are the wounds that you have received not only from outside the church but inside the church people can wound us I hope you don't have a record ticked off all these people who wound you because unless we can forgive those wounds we're not going to experience the fullness of the life that God wants to give us you may be at the point of giving up I say this morning, do not give up. He loves you and he hasn't given up on you. Keep running to him every day. He's there for you. He doesn't go on holiday. His phone line is never engaged. He's always open there. Now, one last lesson from Tally and then you can move on. And this came this Tuesday. I was quite surprised about this. While in the summer house again this Tuesday, I'm not really getting fit now, aren't I? <laughs> not yet. <laughs> it's been a week ago now. And I saw her in the same place going up the steps. And I said, "Tally," And much to my surprise, she came flying down to the summer house to see me, not being distracted by anything. And then something very interesting happened. When you're doing exercises when you're as old as me, occasionally you have to sit on a chair and rest a few minutes. So I sat out on the chair and the cat just came up to me and looked at me and purred. Next thing I know, she started running up the garden. I said, Tally, she came running back to me. And what did God tell me in that? God told me, don't, Try to run ahead of God. He is in charge. We may have all the best ideas and words and actions in our mind that we can do. But unless God leads you, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. And we can be frustrated by trying to go ahead of God. Trying to take the lead of God. There's only one God. We're not God. He will not follow us to do what we say. It's the other way around. We follow him and do what he says. So, I think I know just about everybody here. But if you have wondered about Jesus, but have never really yet made the decision to accept him as Lord and Savior. Respond to his voice this morning. He's calling to you. He's calling to you not to beat you up. He's calling you to say, I love you. I'm here for you. Trust me. Run to him. Like the prodigal son ran back and his father didn't tell him off. His father gave him a hug. Welcomed him home. We all can be prodigals in some way. Now, I'm going to give you this verse which originally I was going to start out with. And Isaiah, or Isaiah, whichever we say it, 41, 9 to 10. I'm going to read this very slowly. And I want you to know, this is for you. Now, some people say, if it's written in the Old Testament, it's for the Jews. It's not for you. That's not the truth. We've been grafted into the vine. But also, I've got at least three or four other verses, which I'm not going to tell you about, but I can tell you, which confirm to me. I don't like to stand up here and say something if I don't know it's real. And if I don't know it's real from the Word of God. Listen to this. I'm going to finish with this. I have chosen you. I have not rejected you. Do not fear. I am with you. Do not be anxious. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will help uphold you with my victorious right hand. Now the word you appears seven times. And the word I appears seven times. So there's a personal relationship between him and you. If you're in his kingdom. If you're in his family. These verses are for you. Today. Hang on to them. I've said them to myself many times. Because I'm not strong. I need this word of God. The major time I held on to it was when I was having an MRI scan. And I know some of you have had that pleasure. And some of you are not looking forward to that pleasure. The only way that got me through the whole time. And I'm talking about ten years ago. It's not when you've got the fancy machines now. It was strapped down head still 20 minutes keeps your mouth shut and i'm just sitting just saying that lord you say you've chosen me lord you say you've not rejected me i'm trying not to fear you tell me you're anxious with don't be anxious you tell me that you're my god that you will strengthen me that you will help me that you will uphold me with my victorious right hand Now, I don't know how many times I said that during the 20 minutes I was in that procedure, but it got me through. And it will get you through whatever you're facing today. Stand on the word of God. Amen.